Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Matthew chapter 22. The notes for this message, as always, are on the church app. You can uh, look at them now or you can follow along later if you choose. We're talking about being unmovable. This is the series for 2023. You and I need to be unmovable. We've talked about being unmovable in truth, that God's word is truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Today we're talking about we need to be unmovable in love. Next week we'll be looking at we need to be unmovable in good works, and then unmovable in holiness or righteous living, and finally unmovable in evangelism. So I want you to be a part of each one of these services. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart and draw you close to Him. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the Scripture says these words, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The last words that Paul gave to the Corinthian church in that first letter were to be unmovable, to be steadfast. To understand God has planted you, and where He planted you, He wants you to grow and to bear much fruit. This morning, I want to challenge you with this fact. The greatest challenge we have, the highest calling that is to every believer is to be unmovable in the love of God. In other words, to love God and to love people. By doing this, we actually fulfill all of God's purposes for our life in these two simple statements, love God and love people. Now, I know that's what every church wants to be known for, as a loving body, a congregation who loves people. But sadly, that's often not the case. Time and again, through the years of pastoral ministry, I've heard people say, I used to go to that church until this or that person said something mean and hurtful to me. May I challenge you today, if you leave a church because someone said something hurtful to you, your eyes are on the wrong thing. We've come to worship Jesus Christ and to serve Him. As long as we are rubbing shoulders with people just like me and you, things are going to happen, words are going to be said, feelings probably will be hurt, but the good news is there is a God who heals and helps us to overcome. Don't leave a church and sit at home. I'm probably talking to somebody online right now. Don't sit at home because someone said something mean to you. Rise above it. Be a better person. Let God bring healing and strength into your heart and into your life. I'll never forget uh, the story, and since it's Valentine's Day, I'll tell you this one, of the old man and woman who had been married for 65 years. And in a tender moment, he looked at her and he said, I am so proud of you. She looked back with a scowl on her face and said, well, I'm tired of you too, and when you die, I'm going to go lift my sister in Des Moines. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Wow, what an indictment. What a powerful statement. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look with me to Matthew chapter 22. I want to read this story to you, beginning in verse 34. 
When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, by the way, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. When Jesus was asked the question, and again, the question was asked trying to trip him up, to give the Pharisees reason to accuse him, reason to say that he was a false prophet and not from God. When he was asked that question, he responded with Deuteronomy 6.5. And he basically said it, and I can sum it up in four words. He said, love God and love people. Love God and love people. And when I think about that, I have seen that played out so many times in the nine years we've been here. I remember the individual who had someone say to them, you're supposed to be my spouse. And in loving kindness, he said, no, that's not going to happen. God has not told me the same thing. You see, when people tell us things that are off the wall, we can respond in bitterness and anger and criticism. We can cut them down and chop them up, or we can respond in love. We can say, God has called me to love you, even though at this very moment, you're not very lovable. You ever been in a situation like that? I have time and time again where it took not my strength, not my ability, not my emotional aspect to love that person. It required a divine act for me to love that person. We need to understand that loving God and loving people is something that flows from God because we first received that love and that ability from Him. We're living in crazy times. We're living in times when the world has gone absolutely nuts. And in days like this, we have to remember who we are and whose we are. And we have to remember we have a command to love God and love people. We have a command to show His love even to those who are unlovable. And may I tell you, the craziness in a world is not going to stop. We're living in that end time. It's only going to magnify and amplify, and the world is going to get worse and worse. But the good news is, where sin abounds, Paul wrote it, grace doth much more abound. It's an opportunity, my friend, to step into the crazy world we live in and show the love of God. To be different, to stand apart. Not to say the same things everybody else is saying. Not to judge, not to condemn, but to love them with the love of a mighty God. It's an amazing thing. We need to learn to practice every single day. We have to be unmovable in our love for God and our love for the world. Why? Because hatred is being spread like a virus today. It's more contagious than the common cold. And we have to remember who we are and whose we are so that in the midst of that environment and culture, we continue to love God and love people. See, it's very important because Jesus said, on these two commands, hang all the law and all the prophets. Let me say it a different way. Imagine that the whole law and all the prophets, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, 
783,137 words can all be summed up in these two commands. Love God and love people. 38 words is all that was used to sum up all the law and all the prophets. 38 words. Jesus said, this is what's most important. I know I've asked myself the same question, but how do we do that? It's so difficult. It's so hard. We first and foremost do it by loving God. And we can only love God when we realize how much he loves us. We can only love God when we recognize he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to stop our descent into hell and give us a way out and a way of life. You see, we've got to understand, there are not many ways to the Father. There's one way, and His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way into eternal life with the Father. How do we do it? We do it by receiving first the love of God. And then we do it by loving God back. It's not enough to receive the love of God. That love has to be reciprocated. Would you like to be in a relationship that was so one-sided that you loved that person, but they never showed you any love in return? How long is that relationship going to last? About a New York minute. You're not going to survive it. You're not going to want to be there. You're going to be angry and anxious and upset and bitter because the one you love is not returning it to you. The great thing about God he doesn't get angry or anxious or upset or bitter. He continues to love us even when we don't deserve it. And may I tell you, I don't deserve it. And may I tell you, you don't deserve it. But even though we don't deserve it, he does it anyway. It's an amazing thing that God loves us so much that he continues to love us through our mess, through our mistakes, through our triumphs, through our tragedies. He continues to love us, whether we're up or whether we're down, whether we're doing well or we're doing poorly, whether we're sick or whether we're healthy, whether we have money or we have no money. He loves us regardless. And he wants us to show him the same love, to reciprocate, to show it back to him, to prove that he means much to us. When you think about it, all of Scripture, Jesus said, is wrapped up in these two commands, love God and love people. The whole, the entirety of the Word is wrapped up in those two commands. But it's not easy to practice, especially when somebody lies about us, when somebody is mean to us, when somebody hates us or persecutes us, when somebody wants to cancel us. It's not easy to keep loving them, but we have to love those people too. You say, I don't believe that because 1 John says we're to love one another. Yes, he does. That's right. And Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples because you have loved one for another. So there should be a bond of love within the body of Christ. A bond that transcends denominational name tags that transcends race, that transcends linguistics, that transcends cultures, a love that binds us together as members of the body of Christ and sons and daughters of God. Listen, it doesn't matter where you came from or the color of your skin. When you kneel at the cross, all ground is common ground. And it doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. When you come to Christ, we become brothers and sisters in him. 
And we are bound then by commandments. Let me say that again. We are bound by commandments to love one another. Sometimes believers aren't easy to love either. But we're still commanded to love each other. See what it tells me? It tells me this isn't a natural act. It's easy for us to love those who love us. But when they don't love us, that's where it requires the miraculous, mighty, supernatural power of God's love moving through us to love one another and to those around us. We say, why should I love those who hate me, who persecute me, who are against me? Because Jesus told you to. Well, I've never read that. Well, you need to read the whole of the New Testament. He said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This makes you sons of the Father. He goes on to say in verse 46, if you love those that love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same thing. So we have a responsibility to love everyone. Regardless that means pagans and atheists and Muslims and New Agers. That means people who spit and curse the name of God. That means those that despitefully use you and persecute you and lie about you and want to cancel you. We have a responsibility to love them with the love of God. But it can only happen as God's love flows through us. So look at what Jesus said. He said it's possible if you do these two things. First, you have to love God with everything in you. The word in the Greek that's translated love is the word agapeo. From it, we get the word agape. And everybody knows that means the perfect love of God. And he's saying that we love God with the same love that he loves us. The agape love. The Father shows to us, then we show back to him. Listen, that only happens when he does a work of renewal and restoration and recreation in you and I. As humans, we're selfish creatures. We only love those who love us. But when we understand and receive the love of God in our heart, it should so transform us that we love God the same way he loves us. Through the agape love of the Father. He goes on to say in Deuteronomy 6, 5, which he quoted, we should love God with all of our heart. The Greek is cardia. We get our word cardia from that as in cardiac. It literally means the center of all physical and spiritual life. He said we should love God with all of our soul. The Greek is suke, where we get our word psyche. The seed of our feelings, our desires, our emotions flow from that place. He loved God with all your mind. The Greek is deanoa. It means your way of thinking, feeling, your faculty of understanding and processing information. And he said, love God with all your strength. The Greek is sk. It means ability, force, strength, might. We love God with all we are. Jesus said, these two commands sum up the entirety of the law and the prophets. Love God with everything that you are. How many of us can say we do that on a consistent basis? Most of us compartmentalize. I'm going to come to church on Sunday morning, and I'm going to love God. But when I get in a fight with my spouse, I quit loving God. And I go back to the fight mode. 
I'm going to love God when I'm around believers, but when somebody says something to me at work that I don't like, all of a sudden, every filter is gone, and I'm spewing out vile on them. Sometime back, Yvonne and I were taking food to a family who had lost a loved one. It was at night. We pulled into what we thought was their driveway. We'd never been there before. Went and knocked on the door, and a guy I'd never seen came to the door. Told him who I was looking for, and he didn't know the name. Then it described the automobiles they drive. He said, oh, I know those people. They don't deserve anybody being kind to them. I mean, it was harsh what he had to say about those believers. Listen to me, friend. The world may speak ill of you because of your faith, but because of your faith, they should also say, that person is real. That person is genuine. They've shown me the love of God. We need to understand that Jesus wants us to love him and love God with all that is within us. How do we do that? It's amazing. He's already laid it out for us. Back in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, he laid this plan out for us. If you don't know that passage, we call it the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said there are several things we do to show our love for God. Number one, there's nothing before him. No idols of any kind. He said, I don't have idols in my life. Really? Really? You need to examine your heart. Because most of us, at one time or another, have allowed something to get in between us and God. And if there's anything between us and God, it's an idol, my friend. We worship it more than we worship Him. We want it more than we worship Him, more than we want Him. He said, no idols before me. What gets your affection, your time, your attention, your money more than God? He said, don't take my name in vain. It's a modern problem in the modern church. I've been appalled at the number of believers who call themselves followers of Christ, but their mouth sounds like they're a sailor. No offense to sailors. Got a son-in-law that's a sailor. Sorry, Andre. Clean it up. Listen, when Christ redeemed you, he redeemed your mind and your speech as well. You don't have to talk like a sinner to reach sinners. I'm going to say that again because some of you didn't get it. You don't have to talk like a sinner to reach sinners. They're not looking for someone who's just like them. They're looking for the different from the stand apart for someone who's been transformed. And then he said, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Now I'm going to read your mail right now. I'm going to remember the Sabbath when it's convenient. I'm going to remember the Sabbath when it fits my schedule. You know, Pastor, you've translated that to mean we come to church, and yeah, that's a part of remembering the Sabbath, so I'll be there at least once a month. Say amen or say oh me. Your choice. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I grew up on a farm, western Oklahoma. We milked cows until I was a freshman in high school. And we had to work on the Sabbath. Those cows demanded they were milked seven days a week, twice a day. There was no choice. But once I left the farm, I began to realize God created that seventh day for us to rest, recuperate, regroup, 
and focus on him. I'm not condemning you if you have to work on Sundays. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying find a time that you give to God and you make it holy so you can commune with him and he can talk to you so he can refill you with his love, his grace, his mercy, his passion, his power, his presence in your life. Find a time and give it to God. And if it happens to be on Sunday, so much the better. Okay, now I'm really going to get you. The one thing I've never understood since we've been in Tallahassee is how someone can go to a football game that gets over at midnight and not get up and come to church the next morning. I'm just going to park it right there. As my high school principal said, if the shoe fits, wear it. She said, we need to love God and we need to love people. How do we show our love for God? John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. See, we don't obey to obtain God's favor. We obey because of God's favor. Because he has chosen you and I. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We which were not a people are now the people of God. Oh, somebody, can you say thank you for the love of God? That's drawn me to the Father. May I tell you, the more time you choose to spend with Him, the more you're going to love Him. The more time you read His Word and pray, the more you're going to love Him. The more time you spend in His presence in a corporate setting, the more you're going to love Him. Folks, we need to understand, this thing happens as we sow, we reap. As we sow into the kingdom, we reap the kingdom of God into our lives. And then Jesus said the second command is just like, is like the first one. He said, love your neighbor as yourselves. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, we boil it down. He said, first, honor your parents that you might have long life on the earth. I've told you some stories. I was very, very rebellious as a kid. When I finally came to the Lord, I recognized regardless of their faults, their failings, regardless of how I may have been treated, I had a responsibility to honor my father and mother. And I tried with all that was in me to do that, to honor them, even though my past and my history said they are not worthy and they don't deserve it. I still was commanded to honor them. Some of us need to get a grip on that and recognize God wants us to honor even when they're not lovable, even when they've done things that we don't like or agree with. Then he goes on to say, if you love people, you won't commit murder, you won't commit adultery, you won't steal, you won't lie, and you won't covet. It's very simple. That shows that you love people. It's amazing when you boil that down. Our highest calling as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to love God and love people. And by doing this, we fulfill God's purposes for our life. I said it once, but I need to say it again. When Jesus said, love God and love people, that means everybody we are supposed to love. Regardless of nationality, regardless of religion, yeah, we're supposed to love those that are trying to kill us. That's what he said. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. 
means every color, every creed, every nation. We are to love them. That's why we're involved in missions around the world. It's an expression of our obedience to show the love of Christ to those who've never received him. Folks, there are billions of people who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't it time we did something about that? Isn't it time we begin to pray and ask God to reach the unreached, to send the promises of Christ and the power of the Spirit to those who have never even heard His name? Isn't it time we begin to lift Him up and exalt Him and magnify Him and ask Him to reach the perishing and the lost? And isn't it time we opened our pocketbooks and we put legs to our prayers through our giving so that we could send someone places that we will never go? You know, one of my, how do I say this? One of my greatest achievements in life, it's not what I have done and where I have been, and God's allowed me to travel around the world and preach the gospel, but it's the fact that I have two sons that will go places I have never gone, that will preach to people I will never see. I've been able to allow them to stand on my shoulders, and I'm believing that their sons and their daughters will stand on their shoulders to reach people they will never see and they will never reach. That's the gospel. It's generational. Someone said, why do we invest so much in these young people? They're not the church of tomorrow. They are today. They are. To, I had so much fun in Youth Wednesday night. It was an absolute blast. I love talking to these kids. Because I see in them the power and... What did you say, Jordan? Yeah, I heard him. I think he said Pastor Dope. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, that's what I thought. You'd have to ask them about that. Jesus said we have to love people. Even if they hate us, we love them. Even if they despitefully use us and persecute us, we love them. Even if they lie about us and cancel us, we love them. Show me the scripture where it says I have to love those people. I'm glad you ask. Because Jesus, in response to that very question, who is my neighbor, who do I have to love, gave us the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And he said the very same thing to the person who asked him, what do I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, but who is my neighbor? You see, that guy was looking for a loophole. Some of us do the same thing. We look for a loophole, an excuse, a way out of loving somebody who's unlovable. And you notice in the scripture, his justification was himself. He wanted to justify himself with the question. So verses 30 through 32 tell us that there's a man who was on his way and he fell among thieves and they stripped him, they robbed him, and they left him on the wayside as dead. And then a priest came by. Let's put this in modern terms. A pastor walked by. And the pastor looked at him, but he was probably too busy, too preoccupied, had so many other things on his mind, was late for an appointment, so he looked at him and walked on by. Write this down. Vision without mission accomplishes nothing. He had a vision, he had a calling, but he had no mission. He had no sense of urgency to reach this individual. Vision without mission is absolutely useless. 
And then it says a Levite came by. That's a deacon. That's an elder. He came walking by. He saw this guy beaten, bruised, almost dead. He looked at him, and he turned and went on his way. He said, well, that's not my portfolio. That's not my calling. That's not my gifting. So I'm not going to get involved. That's old so-and-so's responsibility. You know what we do nowadays? We pick up the cell phone and we say, hey, pastor, I'm about to read your mail. Hey, pastor, there's this need down here. God has laid it on my heart. Would you come and do something about it? You know my response? God laid it on your heart. You do something about it. Thank you. If we love people, we don't just look at them and walk on by. We get involved in their mess. Verse 33 says, but a certain Samaritan journeyed and came where he was. Do you know why Jesus in this parable chose to use a Samaritan as the one who was the neighbor? They were despised by the Jews. They were hated. They were rejected. They absolutely despised Samaritans. So Jesus used the one that they despised to show who a true neighbor was. And he told the story of the Samaritan coming and seeing him and picking him up and taking him to an inn and bandaging his wounds and pouring in the oil and the wine and leaving money with the innkeeper saying, if this isn't enough, I'll come back and I'll pay you the rest to restore this man to health. And then he said to the person that asked the first question, which of the three was a neighbor to the one who fell among the thieves? Which of the three? Silence had to be deafening. You could hear a pin drop when Jesus asking the question. And he finally said, the one who helped him, the one who gave him aid, the one who attempted to bring hope into his heart, the one who showed mercy is what the scripture says. The one who showed mercy. See, to love God and love people. Tom, would you come back? We have got to be good neighbors. And to be good neighbors, we have to have vision with mission. So that when we see someone that is hurting, we see someone that Satan has ravaged and destroyed, we see someone who's sick and afflicted, we don't turn and walk away, but we stand and we move in the power of the Spirit of God and we bring to them what God has given to us. I'm not sure I can do that. You can if you're full of the Holy Spirit. You can if you're walking with Him. You can do exactly what Peter and John did when they were going to worship. And outside the gate, beautiful, was a lame man asking for an offering. And Peter said, we don't have any money, but I'm going to give you what I've got. And he said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, taking him by the right hand, lifted him up, and his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Why? Because Peter didn't just drop a dollar in his bucket, but he gave him the power of eternal life. Oh, somebody hear me. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to go to the prison. It's time for you to visit the hospitals. It's time for you to get involved in the retirement home ministry. It's time for you to begin sowing into young people that are all around you. It's time for you to open your mouth and see and then respond to what God has placed in your pathway.
We have to have vision with mission. We have to have compassion. The love of God has to be in our heart because compassion always leads to action, to response. And then we have to go to people. It's great to come together and worship God, but this isn't what Christianity is about. We come together on Sunday morning and Wednesday night so that we can be edified, encouraged, built up in the faith. So we can worship with other believers who believe what we believe. But that's not where it stops. Really, our relationship with God begins when we walk out those doors and get in our car and drive onto Sherrill Road and down to Monroe and across the city and the county. That's where it's all about. When we move out, we got to go to people and do whatever it takes to reach them. Problem is, force us out of our comfort zone. In 2023, we're going to love God. And we're going to love people. When you came in, you should have received a card like this from one of the ushers. If you didn't, slip up your hand and look at one to you right now. I want every person in this room to have one of these. It says we will reach one. Each one will reach one in 2023. And then on the back, there are 10 lines. Those 10 lines are for you to write the name of 10 friends or family members who don't know Jesus Christ. And when you put their name on that card, you are committing to pray for them every day, to show them the love of God at every opportunity, to talk to them about how good God is to you and how much God can do for them. Oh, come on, friend, quit giving your family over to the devil and begin praying for them, believing God for their salvation, believing that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to eternal life. Oh, hear me, he longs to save your loved ones. He longs to save your friends and it just could be you're the instrument that he's going to use you're the voice he's going to speak through you're the hug that's going to show him or her the love of God ten names you say, well, I don't know ten people who are lost well then you need to hang out with a different crowd you need to get outside of this church and meet some new friends show them the love of God I mean, every time you go into Publix, you're going to see lost people. Every time you go into Walmart, you're going to see people with needs. Every time you go to the mechanic, there are people that are stressed out because they don't know what their next step is going to be. If you're walking into the halls of the hospital or the doctor's office, there are people there because they have a need they can't meet themselves. They need help. When you walk into the retirement center, you're walking into the place that people often have their last opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior before they move from this life to eternal life. And believe me, everybody's going to live forever. It's just a question of their address. Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? If you don't know 10 people who need to be saved, make some new friends. Put their names on this card. Commit to praying for them every single day. I'm looking forward to hearing your reports. Pastor, I prayed for my husband. I prayed for my wife. I prayed for my son or I prayed for my daughter. I prayed for my grandma, my grandpa. I prayed for my next door neighbor. I prayed for my teachers at school. I prayed for my coach. I prayed for those that I work with. And pastor, they come to know Jesus Christ. Why? Because it works. It works. When we pray, God moves. When we pray, God intervenes. 
But don't get upset if they don't respond at the first opportunity. We keep loving them. We keep expressing the love of God to them. And most importantly, we keep living the love of God in front of them. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I would be amiss this morning if I didn't ask if you're in this room you never ask Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins but today is your day this is your opportunity right where you sit you're saying pastor I want to change my eternal address from heaven or from hell to heaven I want to ask God to forgive me of my sins and to come to my life I want to know the love of God you talked about and that we sang about today that's you right where you said there's no condemnation there's no judgment every one of us have sat in that place at one time before every one of us have made the same decision I'm a sinner and I need a Savior I'm talking to you this morning and the Holy Spirit is drawing you right where you sit would you lift up that hand and say pray for me I need Jesus right where you sit so wait a moment pray for me I want to ask Christ to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. Pray for me. Stand your feet with me across this room. Ushers, would you come? They're going to distribute the elements of communion. As they distribute these elements, can we remember that it was at the cross that Christ showed us his love? God showed us his love while we were such sinners and that Christ died for us. What we're doing this morning isn't rote. It's not a religious exercise. It's an opportunity for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ until he returns, until he comes back. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, please feel free to take a communion cup. This is open communion to anyone who knows Christ as their Savior. If you don't know him as your Savior, do not take that cup. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if we eat and drink unworthily, bringing damnation upon ourselves, unworthily means unrepentant, without Christ as our Savior. When we understand the love of God, we understand His love does not condemn us, it forgives us. His love does not imprison us, it frees us. His love does not restrict us, it brings us life. And when we hold these elements in our hands, we're declaring that we have received the life that only comes through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Those of you online, I encourage you now, grab a cracker. Grab some juice or some water, I don't care what it is. And take communion with us this morning as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that enables us to love God and to love people. Waiting as all the elements are being distributed across the sanctuary. If you have time, go grab those elements. Receive communion with us this morning. Be a part of what God is doing right here at All Nations in a visible, physical way. Has everyone been served? Did we miss anyone? Has everyone been served? Take that wafer. 
The wafer is a representation of the broken body of Jesus Christ. It does not become his body. It's a representation of what he did for you and I. There's no power in the wafer. The power is in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The power is in the fact that by his stripes we are healed. The power is in the fact that he was beaten, bloodied, bruised for you and me. And if you're in this room this morning, the scripture tells us there is power in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to bring healing and restoration and renewal into our lives. So if you're in this place and you're physically ill, if you're in this place, you're carrying a wounded heart, if you're in this place and you can't get over what you can't forget, then just lift that wafer up right now. I'm going to pray for you. God's going to touch you. Holy Spirit's going to come to you. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray now for your healing power to flow into the lives of your people. I pray that those who are sick and afflicted physically would receive your healing, your strength, your renewal right now. I pray for those who are carrying a wounded heart and a broken spirit. I pray, Father, that you would right now touch them, heal the hurt, renew them, restore them, encourage them in Jesus' name. And now we take this way for remembering what you've done for us. Remembering your sacrifice until you return. Would you take it with me? Scripture tells us when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I hold this cup in my hand, it contains a little bit of grape juice. It's probably sour. It's not appealing or tasteful. But neither was the death of Jesus Christ. And He willingly shed His blood for you and me. He willingly died on the cross and let the lifeblood leap for him so that you and I might be redeemed and saved. So would you lift that cup toward heaven with me today? Father, I thank you for the blood of your son, the blood that is precious, the blood that is pure, the blood that redeems, the blood that reconciles, the blood that renews and restores, the blood that's a common bond for every child of the living God. I lift before you this cup which represents the spilled blood of your son. And I ask now that you would touch your people. I ask now that you would liberate and free your people. Let the common sins and the frequent sins and the familiar sins be broken off of our lives today cause us to follow you with pure hands and a clean heart because of the blood would you take that cup with me I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ today you made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.